Evidence and Answers. Evidence and Answers is a Christian apologetics ministry led by Dr. Pat Zucran. Pat provides compelling messages from top apologetics scholars defending the Christian worldview and provides valuable resources for every person seeking answers to life's questions, as well as addressing key issues of our time. Serving to equip Christians who want to effectively engage their world for Christ is our focus. Darwin's theory of evolution is one of the most dominant ideologies of our time. Darwin tried to prove life originated as a result of natural causes with no need for a creator. Did Darwin prove his theory? Does Darwinism refute the existence of God? You're tuned to Evidence and Answers radio broadcast with your host, Pat Zucran. Pat is an author, teacher, and international speaker in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. Today, our host, Pat, will be sharing from his weekly YouTube show, Question of the Week, in which he'll address the challenge of Darwinism. Aloha, and welcome to another episode of Question of the Week. Great to have you here with us. Thanks for the questions that you're sending in and keep sending on the questions at pat at evidenceandanswers.org and we'll try to answer as many of the questions that come in as possible. Well, you know, in the past several weeks, we talked about evidences for the existence of God. We talked about miracles. Now we're going to look at some of the arguments against the existence of God. And of course, you know, the key argument we're going to have to look at is naturalistic Darwinism. Darwin's theory proposed by those coming from the naturalist worldview. So let's take a look at the question that came in a couple weeks ago. It says, Pat, I'm a Christian, but one of the troubles I have is reconciling science with my Christian faith. It seems Darwin's theory refutes the Genesis account and the existence of God. Doesn't Darwin's theory prove the Genesis account is false and therefore perhaps that indeed naturalism or the naturalistic worldview is indeed true? First of all, let's take a look at Darwin's theory, all right? And what was the goal of Darwin's theory? Darwin hoped to present an all-comprehensive philosophy that could explain the origin, how life began, okay, the origin and the diversity of life as a result of natural causes. That's what he was trying to prove, that life began as the result of natural causes, not as any kind of divine intervention, and the diversity of life, how we went from a one-celled organism to the diversity of life that we have today, which was the product of natural causes, not any kind of intelligent intervention. That was his goal, right? In other words, he wanted to prove that all life began as the result of natural causes with no supernatural intervention or a creator. So, did Darwin refute the Genesis account and the existence of God? Darwin's theory never answered the origins question. Although it's touted in our schools as the only viable theory that answers the origin of life question and how we got the diversification of life, Darwin never answered those questions. For example, when it comes to how did we get life from non-life? How did life begin? Darwin never answered the question. Even to this day, 
scientists don't know how we got life from non-life, right? It's an incredibly complex process here, how we go from non-life and somehow we get an arrangement of amino acids that form proteins and somehow these proteins form RNA and DNA and eventually make up you know the chromosomes for the nucleus of a cell I mean that is a huge huge jump to go from non-life to amino acid combinations that can form proteins that can form DNA now we know just exactly how complex DNA is alright and the probability of that coming by chance the more and more we learn continues to increase I mean it's incredible the jump we go from non-life to life now the explanation given to us in our textbooks was the Ure Miller experiment now if you remember that supposedly the Ure Miller experiment explained how by natural causes we got life from non-life now this experiment came in the 50s Stanley Miller and a guy named Harold Ure performed an experiment supposedly answering the origin of life question now they created in their laboratory and I'm sure you've seen many pictures of this in your biology book of what earth's early atmosphere might have been alright so in their lab uh, they created this contraption that created earth's early atmosphere and they thought earth's early atmosphere would contain hydrogen methane ammonia and water vapor alright so they created this mechanism here and then as they began their experiment they interjected in their mechanism a spark of electricity representing lightning and as the result red goo was produced and what they found in the red goo was two amino acids glycine and alanine alright these amino acids are part of what make up proteins and it was touted by the world there that we have discovered how we got life from non-life for many years and even to this day the Ure Miller experiment is touted as explaining how we got life from non-life that in the early development of the earth as the atmosphere is cooling there were pools of this acid rich warm pools around the world and somehow through some kind of energy perhaps lightning it sparked these amino acids to come together to form proteins which would eventually form DNA and RNA well some major flaws with the Ure Miller experiment first of all you produce two amino acids glycine and alanine you still have an incredibly long way to go to go from these amino acids make you know coming together to form proteins and then proteins to form RNA and DNA that's a huge huge jump it might be saying like we found a screw in the parking lot here therefore we can conclude there was a 76 Porsche Carrera in the parking lot okay I mean it's just still you've got a long long way to go but there were bigger problems uh, that were discovered as they continued to look at the experiment they discovered that Ure Miller's the atmosphere they created was indeed the wrong atmosphere the atmosphere of the early earth would have been created by you know water volcanoes releasing water vapor into the atmosphere so the early earth's atmosphere was a lot different than what Ure Miller created 
The early Earth's atmosphere was actually water vapor, carbon dioxide, nitrogen, and hydrogen. That was most likely the Earth's early atmosphere. It didn't have methane or ammonia. So they have redone the experiment with the correct atmosphere and sparked it with electricity. And what has been produced? Nothing. Nothing. Scientists have done it thousands of times, over and over and over, and it has produced nothing. It has been tremendously frustrating to scientists. You wonder why the Uri Miller experiment, way back there in the 50s, hasn't been repeated or further developed in these several years. Well, they've tried to with the correct atmosphere, and the results have not produced anything worthwhile. So they've pretty much given up on that process. So Darwin never answered, or the naturalists still have not answered how we got life from non-life. Now, there's a movie out there called Expelled, No Intelligence Allowed. It starred Ben Stein, and he talked about how really that movie is about freedom of speech and how freedom of speech helped build the United States of America and what makes our nation great. And there's freedom of speech allowed throughout our country although many are questioning it right now. But one of the places freedom of speech is not allowed is in the scientific community. And that was the focus of the whole movie, that you cannot criticize Darwin's theory. And professors with numerous scientific works and tremendous credentials were expelled from their institutions or laboratories because they questioned Darwin's theory. All right, so he goes on and explains that situation. But then he interviews the leader of the new atheist movement, scientist Dr. Richard Dawkins, professor at Oxford University. And he interviewed Richard Dawkins, Ben Stein does, and he asked Dr. Dawkins, then how did we get life from non-life? And he really presses him well on this question. And Dawkins states clearly, we don't know. We don't know how we got life from non-life. Well, then who did create the heavens and the earth? Why do you use the word who? You see, you, you, you immediately beg the question by using the word who. Well, then how did it get created? Well, um, by a very slow process. Well, how did it start? Nobody knows how, how, how it started. We know the kind of event that it must have been. We know the sort of event that, that must have happened for the origin of life. And what was that? It was the origin of the first self-replicating molecule. Right, how did that happen? I told you, we don't know. So you have no idea how it started? No, no. no, no nor has anybody. Nor has anyone else. What do you think is the possibility that, there, that intelligent design might turn out to be uh, the answer to some issues in uh, genetics or in, well, in evolution? It could come about in the following way. It could be that uh, at some earlier time, somewhere in the universe, a civilization e evolved by probably some kind of Darwinian means to a very, very high level of technology and designed a form of life that they seeded onto perhaps this, this planet. Um, now, th that is a possibility and an intriguing possibility. Mm -hmm. And I suppose it's possible that you might find evidence for that if you look at the, um, at the detail, details of biochemistry, molecular biology, you might find a signature of some sort of designer. Wait a second. Richard Dawkins thought intelligent design might be a legitimate pursuit? Um, and that designer could well be 
a higher intelligence from elsewhere in the universe. Well, but I'm, that I'm... higher intelligence would itself have had to have come about by some explicable or ultimately explicable process. It couldn't have just jumped into existence spontaneously. That's the point. So Professor Dawkins was not against intelligent design, just certain types of designers, such as God. Right then, Ben Stein says, is it possible that intelligent design could offer an answer? To which Dawkins says, well, it is possible that an intelligent life form from another planet seeded life on this planet. All right. In other words, Dawkins' answer was space aliens or intelligent design. Okay. Then he kind of backtracks and says, well, of course, that life form would have had to have evolved in some Darwinian fashion somehow. All right. In other words, he still didn't have the answer. Okay. And naturalists still do not have the answer. So Darwin never answered the question on how we got life from non-life. He never answered the origin of life question. Also, remember, Darwin's theory is all supposed to be able to prove how we got the diversity of life today from a single cell, how it advanced upward to creating the many species and kinds of life that we have today. And the problem is that Darwin's theory hasn't been able to prove that. One of the key flaws of Darwin's theory, and this is an absolutely fatal flaw here, is that Darwin's theory is missing the mechanism for macroevolutionary change. What do I mean by that? Well, there's two kinds of evolution. Unfortunately, you don't hear about them, but this is what causes a lot of the confusion. Okay? There's microevolution, adaptations and changes that occur within a species, different kinds of dogs, different kinds of cats, different kinds of birds. Okay? Changes within a species, that's microevolution, and we all agree that that does occur. What Darwin's theory has to prove is through naturalistic causes, Okay? natural selection and mutation, you can create macroevolutionary change. That's what you got to prove. And unfortunately, that distinction is not taught to us in our schools. Macroevolution is how species develop new organs and new body parts to create a different kind of species. That's what Darwinism has to prove, that through the natural process, you can create these macroevolutionary change, new organs, new body parts, new designs to create a new species. And unfortunately, what you see in a lot of textbooks is they use microevolution to prove macroevolutionary change. For example, natural selection is supposed to create this kind of macroevolutionary change. And one of the examples that's touted is the peppered moth theory. You know the peppered moth theory. The story goes like this. There was the white moth and the dark moths. Okay? And before the Industrial Revolution, the trees were white. And so the white moth survived and the dark moths got picked off. Well, as the Industrial Revolution grew, soot got on the trees and it, the bark turned dark. Suddenly the white moths were picked off and the dark moths survived, thus creating macroevolutionary change. Correct? No. It's still a moth, whether it's a white moth or a black moth. What new body part, what new design was created? What new organs were created? What new species was created? Nothing. 
it's still a moth, whether it's a white moth or a dark moth. Natural selection preserves the strongest of a species. It does not change it, okay? So natural selection is not a mechanism for macroevolutionary change. The other mechanism is mutations, that through small mutations that get passed on to the next generation, and then the next generation we create a new species, a macroevolutionary change. Well, the vast majority of mutations, all right, the vast, vast majority are harmful. Those in the practical sciences know that, all right? If a neonatologist doctor comes to you as a mother and father and said, sir, ma'am, your child has a mutation, you don't jump for joy and say, oh, wow, we got, we got X-Men or something, you know? No, you break down and cry. Why? It's a disaster every time. And in Darwin's theory, you've got these small mutations, thousands of them that happen very rapidly, and they're all beneficial, and they somehow create new organs, new body parts, and a new kind of species. Well, Darwin's theory was unable to prove that, even to this day. The famous Drosophila fruit fly experiment that has been done numerous times. This is where we take little fruit flies and we zap them with all kinds of radiation. And what was produced? You got flies with big eyes, flies with eight legs, flies with four legs, flies with curled wings, flies with no wings, huge flies, abnormally small flies, all different types of fruit flies. But they are still fruit flies. You haven't changed the species. You haven't created a new body parts, new body designs, and created another species. They're still fruit flies. And the vast majority of mutations on these fruit flies, if not all of them, are harmful, right? But in Darwin's theory, you've got thousands of mutations that occur very quickly. They're all beneficial, and suddenly they create some kind of new species. So the Darwin's two mechanisms, natural selection and mutation, do not create the kind of macroevolutionary change needed to show Darwin's theory is indeed true. In fact, we know that you can only mutate a species so far, all right, and then it's too weak to continue on. You know, for example, if we take a poodle, that's a kind of dog that has been mutated to the form it's in. Or if you take a poodle and you throw it out in the wild, a male and female poodle, and you throw it out in the wild, if they survive, the next generation of dog won't look like a poodle. It'll start reverting more back to its original form, looking more like the dingo, the Australian dingo, or e even the wolf. It starts moving back to more of its original form. So Darwin is missing the mechanism of change. So Darwinism has not answered the origin of life question, nor has it answered uh, the diversity of life question, how we got from one cell to the diversity of life that we have. Now, Darwin's theory is supposed to have answered the origins question, but Darwin's theory doesn't answer the origins question, doesn't answer how we got the origin of life, how we got life from non-life. Bigger yet, Darwin's theory never explained how the universe came to be. Darwin's theory doesn't explain the origin of the Big Bang, how the universe exploded into being out of nothing. Darwin's theory doesn't explain that. Nor does Darwin's theory explain how we got such a fine-tuned universe, right? How the constants of the universe 
are so delicately balanced they sit on a razor's edge. Okay? And the laws of the universe, or quote, the laws of nature, function like a well-tuned machine. How did we get there? How did the natural laws of the universe of this earth just pop into being and make life possible? It's uh, something Darwin still hasn't explained. And the more and more that we learn about the sciences, the more and more complex we're discovering how life is. For example, the nucleus of a cell. I mean, that thing is as complex as the city of Shanghai. All right, it's got a power system. It's got a waste removal system, you know, on and on. We're discovering the nucleus of a cell is as complex as a major city. Back in Darwin's day, they didn't have the kind of microscopes, electronic microscopes that we have today. And they didn't know that the cell was this complicated. Also, yes, they didn't have the kind of telescopes we have now, which we can reach out into the far reaches of the universe and learn just how complex our solar system is, our universe is. Darwin uh, never explained how the laws of the universe came together. Okay, so has Darwin refuted the Genesis account? I don't think so. I think that indeed there is a better answer than Darwin's theory. I believe it's a theory of intelligent design and it's given to us there in Genesis 1-1. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The universe exploded into being out of nothing because there is an infinite, eternal, all-powerful God who brought the universe into being with his spoken word. And it is this God, the God of life, who brought forth life on this planet. And through his great wisdom, his great artistry created the diversity of life that we have now. Genesis 1 says that God created the animals each according to its kind and indeed that's what the fossil records show. Right? We have something called the Cambrian explosion in which suddenly 500 million years ago boom! Okay, all the species appear suddenly and there's just a sudden explosion of life upon this planet something that's very puzzling for Darwinists and we'll talk more about that in future shows. Is Darwin's theory the best answer to the origins question? I believe there is a better answer. It's intelligent design. It's Genesis 1-1. Thanks for your question of the week. Uh, I know I had to go pretty quickly and briefly over this answer. It's a very deep question. And if you want more on this, I invite you to go to our website at evidenceandanswers.org, evidenceandanswers.org, and listen to my interview with some of the top philosophers and scientists on this particular question here. And we have some of the top scientists in chemistry, biochemistry, physics, astrophysics, biology, speaking on this topic in a much more in-depth way. So I invite you to go to our website there at evidenceandanswers.org. Well, thanks for being with us here on Question of the Week. Look forward to uh, seeing you next week. Please keep sending all your questions at pat at evidenceandanswers.org. Pat at evidenceandanswers.org. 
and I look forward to seeing you next week here on Question of the Week. We've run out of time. Thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers Radio Broadcast. We hope you enjoyed today's show. If you would like Pat to speak at your church, Bible study, or perhaps hold an apologetics conference, give him a call locally in Hawaii. That number is 483-0586. Or you may contact him through the Evidence and Answers website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. To keep broadcasts like Pat's on the air, we rely on generous support from you, our listeners. For the opportunity to donate, once again, head over to our website. That's evidenceandanswers.org, and you may do so right there. You will also find that we have a wide variety of resources available to you, everything from atheism to Zen Buddhism, including articles and additional audio for you to listen to or download. So be sure to share our website with those around you. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide compelling reasons for faith in Christ. That's Evidence and Answers with Pat Zucran.